Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, such a blessing to be here today. Uh, we've been in Hong Kong for a couple weeks now and have had the tremendous privilege to be here at AIC the past two Sundays. And uh, today, as I was entering into the, the school, it was just like it was um, just like I'd never been gone. <laughs> it's like another Sunday just coming to be with you all. And uh, even last week, as we were entering uh, the gate to the school, Lucas is talking and he stops and he says, hey, I've been here here before. So even for him, he realized this was a familiar place. And it's been great to see familiar faces um, and to see what God is doing in this church. I was so blessed by the choir and the worship, uh, seeing new worship team members um, who I didn't know could rock out as, as they did. And so it's such a, such a blessing uh, to be here. And we have so much to be thankful for. Um, as most of you know, or many of you know, um, uh, my family uh, moved back to the U.S., to my hometown, uh, back in the end of June, and uh, it has been a tremendous journey the past six months. Um, lots to be thankful for. Uh, we're thankful for the new job that Gita has. She is working at Grace College, which is the Bible college and seminary where we attended, uh, and so she is there as the director of global initiatives. So in our kind of small Midwest town, she gets to work with international people. Uh, so there's uh, like three or four students uh, in, on an exchange program from Korea who are there, uh, as well as from various parts of the world. So she oversees the international students, missionary kids, um, and she also oversees all of the uh, uh, go, they're called Go Encounter Trips, which is to fulfill uh, cross-cultural experience. So everyone has to have cross-cultural experience before they graduate. So she oversees all those trips. And for the first time, she's going to lead a trip of Grace College students in the spring right here to Hong Kong. And they're going to serve at uh, Mother's Choice. And um, if the schedule works out, we'll be here to worship with you as well. So um, it's an exciting time. Her job gets to fly her back home once a year. So that's pretty cool. Um, and so we're really excited about that. It's been great to meet uh, international people. And uh, I, another great benefit of her school is that I get to study for free. Um, free tuition. So I'm doing further studies at the seminary, uh, pursuing a doctorate. Uh, it's called a Doctor of Intercultural Studies. Um, and so it uh, is, well, God's brought us on a journey. He started a new journey for us. It'll probably be about four years. And uh, we'll see where God leads uh, after that. But it's so exciting to see how God has been at work um, and a lot that we have been thankful for. Um, and so as uh, Pastor Mike asked me to speak today, uh, I thought about um, what, what God was laying on my heart. And it was primarily this concept of having a thankful heart. And uh, we just recently, about a month ago, celebrated Thanksgiving in the, the States. And it was the first time that I had celebrated in about 10 years in the U.S. So it's good to be with family and to really reflect on uh, the past year. And, and Thanksgiving uh, is a great holiday. I think it's, uh, you know, people say, oh, we should be thankful every day, every week. But, you know, we're, we're humans. We often forget. And so it's good to have set-aside times where we reflect on the blessings and the good things that God has done through us and for us. In fact, there's a command to be thankful. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So giving thanks is part of God's will for us. 
Now, when we normally think about giving thanks, we, we think of all the good, nice, lovely things that we're thankful for, right? Um, we're usually not thankful for the time we broke our arm or the time we got fired from our job or the time a loved one passed away. We usually don't think about those as, as thankful times. But what does Paul say? He says we're to be thankful in all circumstances, Even though God was clearly with us as we moved back to the U.S. and there was so many provisions he made, there were some um, challenges that we faced. I'll just say that. Um, We were excited um, to move. We were ready to go back to my hometown. And we shipped on a boat all of our, well, most of our personal belongings. And so we were told it would arrive sometime in middle, middle of July. So that was just a few weeks after we arrived. So we get there, and it did arrive, but not to our home. It arrived at the port, and we were told uh, it would probably be processed for um, uh, customs, and that would take an indefinite period of time. <laughs> it's like... Okay, um, so we weren't, didn't get our hopes up too much. Mid-August passed, we didn't hear anything uh, after a month. So I emailed, they said, oh, it it's, should be clearing soon. So then it cleared, and then it, they said, now we have to ship it to our primary facility in New Jersey, which is on the East Coast. And then they said, after that, we'll, sh- we'll have to process it for a few days. Then it will go to Indianapolis, which is about two hours from our home. Then we'll schedule a time to deliver it. Well, middle of September, it finally arrived. <laughs> so we were there for three months with none of our major stuff. We hadn't, you know, we didn't have our own cooking utensils, you know, plates, you know, bedding, everything. So we were trying to figure out how does this work? Well, God did provide, um, and we had arranged some housing. So from Hong Kong, I had called an apartment complex to be a place where we could stay until we could look for and buy a home. So everything was settled. They said, yes, it'll be ready by July 1st. Don't worry. Um, We got a place ready for you. It's ready to go. So my parents even went and paid the deposit. So we arrived the day before and just asked if everything was okay and if we could even get our... Um, uh, key a little uh, a day early and the lady just gave me a weird look and then she looks at her partner and she says um i think the current tenant is building a home and i think they said there's been some setbacks so it may be another month or two before you can move in is that okay and i'm just like i moved my family halfway around the world and i don't have a place to live no, so I was, I was very upset inside, but I stayed calm, and I just calmly asked, okay, can I just have my deposit back, and we'll figure something else out? And so they kindly did. Um, and so um, my dad works uh, in the um, maintenance department at the college, and so he was able to arrange for us to stay for free, which was nice, at um, off-campus housing. And that off-campus housing uh, was a very old building, and so it smelled musty. My wife is very sensitive to smells, and we weren't concerned about Lucas. But, and then as we were sleeping at night, the curtains didn't close all the way, so there was just a sliver open, and there was a street light at the right angle that would go straight through the whole night. Um, so we could, didn't sleep well. Um, they had a washer-dryer, so we put clothes in. We went out for the whole day. We, we turned the dryer on. We came back late at night, and it was still going. And we're like, what? And it turns out the mechanism was broken, so it wouldn't stop when it was done. So one or two of our favorite clothes shrank. Um, And so our first month, we're like, 
you know, what, what is going on here? So we weren't very thankful. Um, but towards the end of that, we, we stayed there for a month, and then we lived with uh, some friends in their upstairs apartment for a few months, and that was very, very, very nice and, and of them. Um, but we had many reasons to not be thankful. And Gita and I had to force ourselves to say, God, thank you for the provision of this house. <laughs> it's not a mansion, um, but it's a house. It's a place for us to stay. And so sometimes we're in situations where um, we have to force ourselves to be thankful. And it's a good thing for us because, one, it reminds us that everything is a gift from God, and it reminds us that we are blessed by Him. And so what I want to talk about today is developing this um, Ask th- this uh, thankful heart. How do we develop a thankful heart? So we're going to look at three aspects of a thankful heart and um, aspects that reveal we have a thankful heart, but also these are things we can do to develop a habit of having a thankful heart. The first thing is um, if we want to develop a thankful heart, we need to be constantly expressing thanks. We need to be constantly expressing thanks. We need to be in the habit of always giving thanks to God, to other people, because that reminds us, again, that we ought to be thankful. Um, In the New Testament, um, as I was uh, reading over some of Paul's letters, Paul wrote a a good portion of the New Testament, and we, we call them books, books of the New Testament. Actually, most of what he wrote were letters. They were letters to groups of people, to churches, to individuals. And so in these letters you continually see that Paul constantly expresses thanks for uh, the people that he's writing to. So we'll just walk through some of these. Uh, For example, to the Romans, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. To the Corinthians, I always thank God for you because because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. To the church in Ephesus, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. To the Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. To the Colossians, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. To the Thessalonians, we thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. Again, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have have in the presence of our God because of you? We ought to always thank God for you, but we always ought to thank God for you. And to Philemon, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Was Paul a thankful person? (laughs) Yes. He continually expressed thanks to the people that he would write to. Now, if you were to think that, okay, well, these are Paul's good friends, these are his pals, these are people he got along with, um, you might be a little bit wrong, (laughs) A lot of the people Paul wrote to actually um, were very difficult people to write to. Some of the churches he wrote to were having divisions among themselves, and he had to write to, um, to confront them on that. Some of the people he was writing to disagreed with him, and so he had to correct them in some ways. Some of the people he wrote to were living in gross sin, And so he had to confront their sin, and they were not living in a way that pleased God. And in fact, some of the letters he wrote were very difficult to write, but he was speaking the truth in love. And so Paul, why was he saying thanks? Not because he necessarily got along with them, not necessarily because they were good people to him and that they were living godly lives, but because he wanted to remind himself 
These are people that God has entrusted to me who has given me relationship with. I need to be thankful for them. And so Paul constantly expressed thanks, and I think that's a habit that we should have as well. Um, So we should be people who constantly express thanks to others. Uh, Now, some of you, expressing that with words is very easy. You might have the gift of words of affirmation, and so that may come easily to you. Some of you, that may not come as easy. So maybe you can express things. uh, If it's hard for you to verbalize it, maybe you can be like Paul. You can write a letter or a note, or you can shoot an SMS or WhatsApp message or a Facebook message or an email um, just to to give a little quick thing to say, "I, I really appreciate you because of whatever it is. Um, maybe uh, doing that is a little difficult as well. So maybe you can do an act of service. If there's someone that uh, you really want to show appreciation to, you can serve them somehow. Or maybe you like to give gifts, and you can give a small gift. You can make a gift. Just show your appreciation and your thanks to someone in your life. So there's various ways we can do this. Um, On this idea of expressing thanks continually, Uh, Several years ago, when I was doing my first seminary degree, um, I took a course called The Principles and Practices of Prayer. And uh, we had to read a book uh, by Anne Voskamp called 1,000 Gifts. And it's a great book. I would highly encourage you to read it. And basically, in this book, she talks about her journey of how she had some very, very difficult things happen in her life, and she had to um, really work hard at expressing thanks. And so she decided that every day she would write down things that she would be thankful for, regardless of whether it was seemingly good, seemingly bad, um, she would be thankful for that. Um, And so we had an assignment that for eight weeks during our course, we had to write five unique things that we were thankful for every day for eight weeks. You could not repeat anything over the eight weeks. And so I look back, uh, Owen, we had to have at least 200 things during those eight weeks to get a passing grade. And, and I think I had well over that, like close to 250. But um, I, I look back on, on the things I wrote down, and it was really hard at first. <laughs> it was really hard um, because I think the first day I wrote down, like, I'm thankful for Gita, Lucas, food, home, water, you know, things that are really, really basic in life. Because I'm like, what, what am I thankful for? And how can I think of so many different things? And then as I, I looked through and, and I saw the progression of how God was working in my heart of expressing things, I was thankful for things that I didn't think I'd be thankful for. Um, if you know me, I am thankful for sleep. <laughs> I enjoy sleeping. It's hard for me to function, actually, if I don't get enough sleep. And so um, I loved... I was so excited when our son was born. I wasn't so excited that he would wake up every two hours at night. (laughs) And the fact that since my wife was working, I couldn't use the excuse, well, I have to work. I can't get up. (laughs) So I had to get up too and help, and it was was draining. That was probably the hardest part of parenting um, during his early years was um, sleepless nights. But I wrote down in one of my entries, I'm thankful for sleepless nights. And I think another passage I said, I'm thankful for my son looking into my eyes at 3 a.m. And I'm like, that's not me. (laughs) I remember dreading that. I remember complaining about that. 
we see there's circumstances that we can still be thankful for, even in the moment. They may be difficult, they may be tough, but it's part of God forming us, and we ought to realize that everything is grace, and everything is a blessing from Him. So we need to be in this uh, habit of constantly expressing thanks. Secondly, if we want to have a thankful heart, we need to be content with what we have. We need to be content with what we have. Contentment starts with understanding where our stuff came from and who it really belongs to. Now, most of us think that the money we have, the possessions we have, the home we have, the things we have, the stuff we have is ours. It's my money. It's my home. It's my whatever. It's my family. It's my friends. The Bible teaches us that, God's Word teaches us that that's not exactly true. Everything actually belongs to God. Everything belongs to Him, and everything we have is entrusted to us. It's a gift to us. It's for us to take care of. And and so it's a blessing. It's something that God has given us. It doesn't really belong to us. Moses wanted to remind the people of this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. In other words, you may think, well, this is my hard-earned money. Well, no, who gave you the ability to work in the first place? Who gave you a mind to think with or hands and feet to work with? That was God. So it really is him giving that to you. Uh, This concept is throughout the scriptures. In Deuteronomy 10, it says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. 1 Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, Lord, is the, greatest and the, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. And in Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So everything we have actually belongs to God that he's given to us, he's blessed us with. When I think about this concept of contentment, I, I always think back to when I had kind of an epiphany, so to speak, about one of the Ten Commandments, the last of the Ten Commandments. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home and went to church uh, all the time, um, went to a Bible college, and I think it was in college where I had this epiphany, so to speak. But I was wondering about why the um, last of the Ten Commandments was so important. Like, You would think, you know, God would um, tell us if he's going to limit it to 10 things, it would be the 10 most important things we should or shouldn't do. Most of them make sense. Okay, he starts out by saying no other gods. Okay, we should worship him alone. No idols. Yeah, that's bad. Um, And it goes through a lot of things we shouldn't do. We shouldn't murder. We shouldn't steal. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't commit adultery. We... um, We should honor our parents. Okay, those are all things we understand. Those are very fundamental good things we should do and things we should avoid doing. Um, Now, the Sabbath, that's a little difficult, especially if we don't come from a Jewish tradition. We, We have a little trouble with that, but at least we can understand that's for us to focus on God. Okay, so that relates to God. Do you know what the last of the Ten Commandments is? Do not covet. 
Do not covet. Do not covet things. What? Why is that? Of all the things, that's like don't murder? Like don't covet? Um, And I really wrestled with that because what coveting is is when you, you see or you notice or you know that someone has something that you don't have and you want that for yourself. Someone has a a great promotion, a great job. Oh, I wish I had that job. Or someone has a new, the newest iPhone 6S or whatever. It's not new anymore. We'll talk about that in a moment. (laughs) But like, oh man, I wish I had that or an iPad Pro, you know, whatever it is. Um, Or or they're dating someone. Oh, I want to have a a significant other too. Or I want that significant other. Move out of my way. Whatever it is, that's coveting, right? We want that. Now, I'm just thinking, like, why is that so bad? It's just in our minds, right? It's something that we desire. Now, some people might say, well, that can lead to stealing. If you covet it too much, you could steal it or kill or, you know, do bad things. But how does that affect our relationship with God? And, and I finally realized why coveting was so bad. Because the stuff that we have is given to us by God, So when we look at what someone else has and we say, I don't want this, I want that, who are we insulting? God. You see, coveting is actually an insult to God who's given us great blessings. It's like, you know, saying that, well, that's it? That's all I got? I don't want that. I want that over there. And so it's an insult to God. I don't know if Christmas just came. And uh, I don't know if you've ever received a Christmas gift or a birthday gift or just a gift in general, and you received it, and you're just like, oh, that's it? Uh, Thank you. Okay. Um, My brother-in-law received socks for Christmas, so I'm thankful I didn't get socks. Thank you, Gita. Um, That was my, like when I was growing up, it's like a joke, but it's like the worst gift, socks and underwear when I was a kid. You know, it's like, thanks, Mom. Um, and I'll never forget the worst one I received was I think I was in college and there was a big gift under the tree. And so I was so excited because my mom's like, this one's for you, Daniel, you'll enjoy it. And it was 24 rolls of toilet paper. (laughs) And I'm not joking. I guess she felt like, Hey, he needs one more gift. I'll give him that. And maybe thought I needed it at college with all the food I was eating. I don't know. But there's some gifts where you're just like, what? Now, if you sincerely, if someone gave sincerely from their heart and, you're, and, you know, I was just like, oh, that's it, they'd be insulted, right? Now, I've been on the other end, and I'm going to embarrass my wife a little bit. When Gita and I started dating, um, I still remember the first Christmas gift I got Gita. It was this nice, beautiful pair of earrings that were fake gold. <laughs> I was in college. I couldn't afford real gold. I didn't even, that was not even on the radar. Um, It was maybe like five U.S., and that was stretching it for me at the time. Um, So I gave it to Gita, and I had spent all this time looking for the bright gift. They, like, looked so good on her. So I gave it to her, and she opened it, and she's like, oh. (laughs) I'm like, what? Is there something wrong? You don't like it? It's like, it's not real gold, is it? like... Oh, I can't afford that. She's like, I'm really sorry, but I I can't wear it because if it's not real gold, my ears are very, very sensitive and they'll they'll get infected and everything. Like, what? Really? So I Googled that. Actually, Google didn't exist back then, but she's like, what? Then I'm thinking like, now I'm beyond the gift. I'm like, 
marriage? What am I going to have to buy for this girl? And <laughs> now, she was being honest. Like, her ears are very sensitive, and I don't know if that's a female thing. I have no idea. Um, but she couldn't wear them. And so even though they, she wasn't trying to insult me, I was like, oh, I was kind of hurt a little bit because I had spent so much time. Um, and you know what? When we, when we covet things, it's, we do that to God. When we're just like, huh, that's it. Because we, we often nowadays, we have such a sense of entitlement. I deserve something good. I deserve something special. I deserve this. And so when we don't get that or we get something that we don't like, we, we complain to God about it. We complain to others. And it's such an insult to him. It's, it's causing him to lose face in a sense because he's, he's up there thinking, wow, I blessed you with so much. You must be so happy. And we shake our fist and say no. Well, the problem is when we're not content, um, we'll never be satisfied in life. We'll never be satisfied. Uh, Stuff will not make us happy. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. We might think, oh, if if I had a million dollars, I'd be so happy. No, you won't. You'll just want a million more. I have to admit, um, I struggle in an area of being content, and that's with Apple products. (laughs) And I'm kind of joking, but I'm not. Um, That's my struggle, is with cool gadgets. Um, I still remember, and Pastor Mike may remember, the first time I bought a Mac. I bought an iMac here in Hong Kong, which is the desktop. And I got it for a really good deal. And I didn't realize after I bought it, they were really discounted because they were discontinuing that line of Mac. (laughs) And so about three months later, the new iMac came. And thus began my journey of always being a month or two behind the newest model of anything, iPod, iPad, iPhone, whatever. But I keep buying it because I'm like, wow, I got to have that. That's so cool. Um, and you never, I'm never satisfied. You're never satisfied. You always want the next newest, coolest thing. Uh, here is a, the longest line, and I'm not joking, the longest line I have ever seen in my life. This is outside Festival Walk. This is down, that goes down near where it passed the train. Uh, this is the outside entrance where it goes. And this is inside the mall. And is, can anyone... Guess what store is there? How did you know? (laughs) The Apple store. And I'm serious. I had no idea what was going on. I was outside and I'm just like, what? Is there a celebrity here? Is the president of China here? Is Barack Obama here? I have no idea what's going on. And I go inside and here I see all these people outside the Apple store. And I'm just thinking that that could be me. (laughs) I want to be there, but do I really want to be there? And all of these people to get a gadget that will think that they think this will make them happy, and less than a year later, the newest model comes out. It's just a sign that we as humans think that stuff will make us happy. We're never content. We want more. But God tells us, be content with what you have. I have blessed you with so much. You don't need more stuff. Just a warning on not being content. First Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul is warning Timothy to warn others, don't pursue money, don't pursue stuff, don't pursue temporary things. Now, he doesn't say money is the root of all evil. He says the love of money. And if you have a little bit of money, okay amount of money, or a lot of money, that's not the issue. God has blessed you with that. The issue is, what are you pursuing? Um, I wasn't going to share this, but I will, because I think it's important. Um, This doesn't just apply to money. It applies to all aspects of our lives, to the stuff we have, to our relationships we have with our family, with our friends, with coworkers. If we're not content, it can lead us down a path of destruction. When I moved back to the States, I was so excited to um, connect with one of my best friends in the States, who is also a pastor. And, uh, you know, we had even talked about, you know, possibly doing some ministry stuff together um, after moving back. And uh, we, were, we were good friends with the family. Um, and Lucas got along with, they had two daughters. They have two daughters, um, age six and eight, something like that. And so we enjoyed going over to their home. Every time we'd go back, we'd go to their home. It was so relaxing. And they understood us because they came out to Hong Kong to visit one time. So they, they understood the transition we were in, the life, you know, was totally different. And so they were like, oh, they were like a refuge, like, like friends who understood us uh, during this transition. Well, a couple months after we moved back, um, Gita got a text message from his wife saying that he had had an affair the past year and a half. And what saddened me more than that, as bad as that is, um, was he was not willing to be repentant. In fact, he, was ve- I, he, didn't, he didn't want to talk to me on the phone, but we did text back and forth. And he mentioned that he was, he was done with it all, with his church, with his ministry, with his family. He, he flat out said he was willing to leave his wife and his two daughters for this other woman who was also married with kids. And it broke my heart. And the, you could psychoanalyze it till you're done, but it comes down to the fact he was not content with his family that God had provided for him. And it was a warning to me that that can happen to any of us. That can happen to me. That can happen to all of us. And it starts with contentment. Are we going to be willing to be content with what we have, with who and what God has placed in our lives, and be thankful for that, for the circumstances, for everything, and to say, we can think it's better out there, over there, but God has what's best for us right here in front of us. So we need to be people who learn to be content with what we have. In fact, Paul tells Timothy that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know, all this stuff is going to fade away and perish anyway. We can't take it with us. So why pursue it? Godliness with contentment is what makes us happy, not this stuff. It's contentment, not gaining stuff that brings true happiness in our lives. Um, When I was in Hong Kong, uh, I lost a lot of valuable items. I think the first was an iPod that Gita gave me. I lost it in a taxi. Uh, 
I lost my wallet in a taxi, which had my U.S. and Hong Kong stuff in it, so that was a mess. Um, I was riding the train, and the moment I got off, I realized I left my MacBook Pro computer on the train. I turn around, and I start running, and gone forever. I was sharing, I, I was a youth pastor at the time when I shared that. And as I was sharing it, one of the girls was like, oh, I lost like $200 dresses on the train too. And I'm so sad. I was crying. I'm like, dresses, computer, come on. <laughs> and then a week later, she's like, I got my dresses back. I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah. And as I was, I was sharing this with someone a few weeks ago, and they're like, wow, you've got a problem. <laughs> you keep losing stuff. Um, and, and I think they're right. I probably, no, I know I did have a problem, but it wasn't with losing things. I think I had a problem with stuff. And maybe God was teaching me a lesson to be content with what you have and stop pursuing this stuff. So it can be a real problem for us. Um, final verse on this part, um, Hebrews 13, 3. Keep your, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. you know, I lost that stuff, but God is always there. And so we need to remember that the most important thing is always with us, and that's God himself. So we need to be content. We need to constantly express thanks, and we need to be generous with others. You know, it's not our stuff anyway. <laughs> so God's entrusted it to us so that we can be generous to others. Um, Acts twenty thirty five says, Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that totally goes against our culture and the world. The world says, if you want more stuff, that'll make you happy. But God says, you give more stuff away. That'll make you happy. Um, <clears throat> you know, some of the most content people I know are the most generous people I know, too. The most content and most thankful are the most generous. And there's an example of this uh, in the Gospels in Mark chapter 12. It records a time where Jesus sat down uh, in the temple um, opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And so many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, only worth a few cents. And so Jesus sees this, and he calls his disciples together and uses this as a teachable moment. And he says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, did the woman literally, in, fi in dollar figures, put in more money than the others? No. But proportionally, she gave way more because it was all she had. You see, the others gave out of their excess. It was nothing. But for her, it was everything. But she was generous, and she was content, and she was thankful. And I know that. We know that because she was generous. We've been trying to teach our son uh, the concept of sharing. 
And uh, it's very difficult because children can be very possessive of their stuff. Um, and so we have to remind them that that's not their stuff, you know. Um, and so whenever uh, friends or children come over, we always tell Lucas, you need, to be, you need to share your toys. And he'll say, oh, okay. And so usually the toys he shares are what? The toys he never plays with. <laughs> All the excess stuff. Oh, yeah, you can play with that, play with that, play with that. Um, but then we tell Lucas, no, what? We, we, we changed it. So then we ask, Lucas, what toy do you want to play with? He's like, I want to play with this one. And we say, okay, you need to let them play with that first. Because that's true generosity. That's true sharing. You see, some, someone told me a long time ago that if we want to be generous, it's got to hurt a little bit. <laughs> if it doesn't hurt a little bit, or we don't feel it a little bit, then it's not really being generous. Generosity shouldn't come from our excess. It should come from the things that are dear to us. And this should be a part of our natural response when there's a need, when people come. Hospitality, generosity, that should come natural to us as Christians. Why? Because God has been generous with us. We didn't deserve eternal life. We didn't deserve forgiveness of sins. We didn't deserve Jesus to die on the cross. We should have been on the cross. So because God has been so generous to us, we ought to be the most generous people in the world. And when we are, God will honor us for our generosity. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You see, when we're generous, God will bring back to us even more blessings. And Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of feed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see, when we are generous with the things God has already entrusted to us, and we realize, well, it's not my money, it's not my stuff, it's His, and we are generous with that to others, God will give us even more. Now, some people have twisted that to make it seem like, oh, wow, that's a way, kind of a backwards way of me getting rich. I'll give more so I can get more. That's not the point. Paul says the reason why you'll get more is so that you can be generous even more so. God will give you more so that you can be even more generous. And what does that result in? It results in praise and thanksgiving to God. And so if we want to have a thankful heart, we need to be people who are constantly expressing thanks, who are content with what we have, and who are generous with others. Just think about the difference we can make in our communities, in our workplace, in our schools, in our homes, in our apartment complexes. If we practice this in our lives, just think about the difference we can make. The idea of thankfulness is so that we can bless others, but also so we can reminded, be reminded that everything we have is a blessing from God. And so may we be people 
who develop this thankful heart, may we be known as people who are thankful and that we would be people who can be generous with the things God's given us to be content all for his name and his glory and so that we can make an impact on those around us. Please join me as we pray. Lord God, we come before you today as people who are undeserving. Lord, forgive us of our times of feeling a sense of entitlement, times where we've come to you and complained, times we have not been content, times when we have just demanded things go our way. Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us to see that everything we have is a great gift and blessing from you. Lord, help us to see that you have what's best for us, regardless of how we may see our circumstances, the people in our lives, the things that we have, the lack of things we have. Lord, that all is of grace from you, and you have our best in mind. So, Lord, help us to be people who constantly express our thanks to others and our thanks to you. Help us to be people who are content with the things you've given us and to not pursue more stuff, but to enjoy the things that you have already given us. And Lord, help us to be people who are generous and that through our generosity, it may result in thanksgiving to you. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.